0: Oh man, oh man, oh man, not again, what am I saying, yes again, another episode of Ideas Into Action, episode 20. I'm your host Hamza Khan and our producer as always is Kwaku Ajimong, aka Kwaku On Air, aka OVO You Yo, this guy interviewed Drake's alleged baby mama like they were friends from back back in the day, accurate days. What? Yes, Kwaku is officially one degree of separation away from Mr. Aubrey Graham, jeez. He's also one degree of separation away from our special guest today. Shaliza Jamal is an educator, speaker, and equity and inclusion coach. She's a graduate of the Harvard Graduate School of Education, where, where she studied the impact of arts and education, leadership and social change organizations, education, entrepreneurship, and innovation, and educational policy through the lens of systemic inequities. Wow. Shaliza also holds an honors BA in theater and B.Ed. from York University and is starting her PhD at OISE, University of Toronto, in the Department of Social Justice Education in the fall. Shaliza brings over a decade of experience in public education, teaching, and designing and implementing programs and services aimed at addressing inequitable outcomes for underserved communities. Shaliza has a background in theater performance and education and often uses theater-based techniques to develop a sense of embodied empathy and engage participants in dialogue about oppression. She's an Ontario-certified teacher and a K-12 inclusion learning coach with the Toronto District School Board, where she supports students, teachers, and leaders in programs that foster equity and inclusion to meet the needs of diverse learners. In this conversation, we talked about building confidence, managing imposter syndrome, and unconscious bias. We also talked about equity, diversity, and inclusion, casual racism, and the negative effects of social media. It was a nuanced and supercharged conversation that inspired a level of optimism in my life that had been previously missing. My friends, I'm so excited for this. Give it up for Shaliza Jamal. Boom! Shaliza Jamal, I'm so honored that you're here. It's been a long time since we last connected. I'm sorry, that was a delay on my part. I just got caught up with a few things, but we're here, we're reconnecting, and I have to kick this podcast off with a very special guest. So every time a guest joins us in Ideas Into Action, we present them with a guest. (laughs) We present them with a gift. Can you imagine if I just brought another (laughs) guest over here? Like, welcome. Um, The gift that we have for you, my friend, is... A little belated birthday Ooh, present.
1: thank you. These
0: are little sweet treats from Butter Avenue on Queen. Thank
1: you so much. I'm excited to have them tonight.
0: Happy birthday. Thank
1: you very much. I oh my goodness. That.
0: Another rotation around the sun? Yes. You survived? You I, made I it? I survived,
1: <laughs> yes. Everyone thought it was a milestone because I used a Drake line. I said, uh, turn my birthday into a lifestyle. That yes. my hashtag.
0: With the most fire Instagram post yep. of all time. I saw it. I was like, yeah. yes, you go, Shaliza. Thank
1: you. Thank you.
0: What's going to be different about this year?
1: This year, I think I'm really working on my confidence. I'm really honing on what I want to do with my life and thinking of five-year plans and really, you know, like those horse, the police horses that have like their blinders on? Mm -hmm. That's me. I'm just really going for a goal right now and really focusing and being productive.
0: Yeah, there's something about like when the calendar changes, when your age changes, when you get a new number, Mm -hmm. when there's an increment. I feel like it's permission to just turn a new page and really go forth with that change that you wanted to make. What made you feel like this was the decision to make uh, when you turned as old as you did?
1: I think it's because um, my cousin actually told me this. So two years ago, when I left to go to school in the States, he said, this is your dasmo. And I said, what does that mean? He said, like "It's das? Your T-H-U-S? Das. D-A-S. Like oh. 10. Oh, das. Okay, in Hindi. Yeah. This is your dasmo. dasmo I said, yeah. what does that mean? He said, it's your 10 year. I go, what do you mean? Huh. He said, our grand, our ma, so our mother's mother, yep. um, said that everyone has this 10 year lifespan. And so good things are coming for you. Mm -hmm. So it's your time to harness them. Get on the ride and take it and go far because this is your 10 years to be as productive as possible because it's your 10 year allotment. So I feel like that's ringing in my mind that this is my year every year. I wanna be more productive, um, keep working hard and kind of reach my goals and crush them.
0: I love that. Wow, I'm getting so fired up thinking about this. You've entered into an age it's not even your year, I think it's your decade, mm-hmm. it's your it's your fifty years, it's mm-hmm. however long you're gonna be in the game. Like a window has opened up and I've witnessed your growth. We've been connected for a few years right now, first on social media, then we connected last year in real life. And just in the year that I've gotten to know you as a person, the the path that you've been on has has you've experienced exponential success here. Way to go. Thank you. But you mentioned just a few minutes ago that you know confidence is something that you want to work on. When I see you online, you exude confidence. And you're telling me that confidence is something you need to work on.
1: Yeah, I think I'm really good at exuding the confidence. I think it comes from being uh, a stage performer for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And
0: you studied at York, right? Yes, yeah. so
1: I, I started performing when I was three years old wow. in Vancouver on the stage singing. My first gig was the best Christmas pageant ever. <laughs> uh, then I went to a fine arts high school did musicals all throughout. Then I went to York for theater and, and I've continued doing that theater work. So I think that's where I get the confidence, the outward confidence. But I feel like the inward confidence, and I know um, I'm sure we're going to be talking more about this, but from colleagues or, um, you know, naysayers or haters, I like to call haters. them. Yeah, the fake friends. Yeah. Um, that also gets me down. So I mm-hmm. think that I exude confidence. I project confidence. I know I have my ability, but sometimes it takes a while for me to think about how far I can go. And one of my friends gave me this analogy. I have a great support system. And he said, you know, you're going somewhere the only thing that's going to distract you is when you let people get in your ear and and bring you down mm-hmm. right and I've noticed that even even this year when I'm studying I think that's the biggest tip I have is really to believe in your confidence because that's what I really want to work on this year is believing in myself because that's what's going to propel me to go even further in my career
0: and it's easier said than done mm-hmm. right like I feel like I'm not sure and well, let's, let's talk about it. like were you socialized to be confident like did your parents instill confidence in you growing up because I feel like my parents didn't do that for me I don't mm-hmm. think that they were naturally confident I think they came from a certain background where they believe that you had to keep your head down and just work hard and just be happy to be here. and I think through osmosis I got that and then I moved into a world that we're sharing right now where we're speaking for a living, uh, where we're in front of audiences all the time and I have to muster confidence. I have to like artificially create it. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your upbringing. Did your parents naturally give you confidence when you were younger?
1: So I feel as though there is that cultural component. I think out of all four of us, I have a sister and two parents, um, okay. I am the most extroverted. Hmm. And I think that comes from probably it's my outgoing nature is natural. My mom is like that too. I was a lot of times I was, you know, participating in drama, dance, singing, etc. but we all have this inner, um, lack of confidence. Interesting. And so I, I think it's part of cultural norms, you know, um, I had, I had school counselors saying to me, oh, you talk too much. Boys aren't going to like you. Wow. I had my mom saying, you know what? Like, just sometimes simmer down a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, talk slowly much, or softly. Yeah. You're too much, you know. Um, or, or I had guys say that to me too. Be intimidated from me, you know, especially in my community. And so it was, I exuded this huge confidence. Everyone wanted to be around me and I got that confidence. But there was just some element and I still don't know exactly where that comes from. There's a lack of confidence, and I think my sister and I share that. I don't know where that comes from because our parents, maybe because they gave us so much love, Right. like they always gave us love. They propelled us, they motivated us. You know, um, I got everything I wanted. My parents never told me I couldn't, you know, study theater or I couldn't move to mm-hmm. Toronto. They, they always, encouraged they, yeah. they encouraged me, and um, and I think they love who I am. And they, you know, they love that I'm a chatterbox, you know, things like that. That used to be the word of the day, (laughs) Chatterbox. back like 25 years ago, that was like the term. But I don't know where it comes from.
0: So it's interesting because like there there used to be three primary socializing agents. There was your family and it seems like your family did a great job Mm -hmm. of encouraging you and boosting your strengths. And then you had friends and you seem to have like a really active, very tight knit group of friends that have boosted you up. And then there was school. And it seems like maybe in school and when you were out in the community and when you were at work, that's maybe where some of those external voices came in and made you feel less than. Mm-hmm. And then kids now are growing up. When I say kids now, it's, not not, it's, like, it's like I'm not even talking about us over here. Yeah. It was it definitely us. Yes, the fourth socializing agent is the Internet yes. and social media. Mm-hmm. And oh, my goodness, like right before we went on air, we were talking a little bit about like social media and yeah. being there and whatnot. And um it it can be a huge source of driving negative feelings like envy and jealousy mm-hmm. and greed and really impact your sense of self and so I I totally understand why you might have felt less then mm-hmm. um, how have you overcome
1: that since yeah I wanted to actually touch base on please. the school issues so I think now that I'm thinking about it. The school piece was tough because I was often the only woman of color, person of color, brown person Mm -hmm. in my class. I grew up in uh, Coquitlam, BC, so a small city in Vancouver. West Coast. And um, I was always the only brown person in my grade. Always. So my sister was in my school. I was in my school. I think there was five of us and we all knew each other. We're all from the same community. We're all a smiley. We all went to the same mosque that were in my school. So I think that also... I internalized the difference in being different in that way. And also, although my parents boosted me with confidence, I think there was a narrative from my parents and my community that I had to work 10 times harder. Yes. And, and I will say, the, another piece of confidence was I always wanted to have blonde hair and blue eyes. So I think that that did impact me, yeah. especially up until, let's say, grade 12.
0: That's the marketing. That's Disney yes. working on you, man. Yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh. I was Jasmine so many times. Yeah. I couldn't be, you know, any other character. couldn't be
0: Snow White. No. You couldn't be no. Cinderella. Exactly. Yeah. You had to be Jasmine all the time. Yeah.
1: But back to your question. So you're asking about social media and... Um, you know what, sometimes I have to take a break from it yeah. because I know that there were times when, you know, people post their best self and their best life. And I have to talk about this. My boyfriend and I have these conversations all the time. He says, Shalisa, think about what you're posting and why you're posting it. And he's like, are you showing it for the world or for you? And mm-hmm. we have these conversations and we, we quote Chronic's song, do you do it for the love or do you do it for the <laughs> yeah. likes? And sometimes great I'm honest with myself and I say, I'm doing it for the likes. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to promote my business and I don't want to be ashamed of that because someone who is white would be out there promoting themselves. No shame. Yeah. Right. They're doing it for the likes. And sometimes I'm doing it for the love because I know um, I've had private messages from people who I've disconnected from or I went to university with who have been championing me or even you and myself. We reconnected mm-hmm. over seeing what, what the kind of work we're doing on social media. So that's a positive side of it. Absolutely. But what I really try to do to stay grounded is I try not to go on too much and I try to tell myself, you know what, people are presenting their best self. Don't get overwhelmed because it's really tough. It's really tough to think about what people are doing, what they're doing well. Um, But there's always a backstory. I try to remind myself that. That there's something else going on
0: 100% you I couldn't I couldn't say it better than you just did right now that's actually a very very apt description of, of uh, a, a challenge that many of the listeners now are also experiencing I know when I've struggled with imposter syndrome being on social media was the absolute worst thing because it just exacerbated mm-hmm. that feeling and for the listeners who aren't familiar with this and we've talked about it in a couple of other episodes but imposter syndrome is that nagging voice that you have at the back of your mind in the pit of your stomach that tells you you are not good enough mm-hmm. and it's so weird to think that you know I struggle with that mm-hmm. is that something that you've gone through and you've experienced as well?
1: Oh, a hundred percent. And I think so bizarre because like on the
0: surface, if anyone follows you and every, all of the listeners over here were on Instagram, like I would encourage them to follow you. You look like the paragon of confidence and to think, to think that you struggle with imposter and like, let's talk about how that, how that happened.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I think, so I think I didn't have a name for it. Till I went to do a master's degree at Harvard. Interesting. Mm -hmm.
0: It took Harvard to get the language. Yes, it took me (laughs) to get the language.
1: So I was at the person of color student orientation or the student of color orientation. And we had a whole section about imposter syndrome. Hmm. And for me, it was always thinking about, I would always sort of play down my successes to bring up other people.
0: Interesting. Right?
1: I would always think, um, you know... Maybe I didn't deserve it. So, and it started with actually getting into Harvard. I was so proud of myself. You know, I had wanted to go to this program for four years, but I was like, oh, I have my mortgage, I have my friends. What am I going to do? I can't afford it. And I had all these thoughts circling for four years. And then I had a crucial moment in my life where I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Yeah. I got in. I only applied to Harvard. I said, if I don't get in, I'm going to start like a side business with special events and whatever. And I didn't tell everybody, but I told some people, close friends. But the reaction I got from people, even close friends, was, why are you going to Harvard? What do you want to do there? Hmm. Is it going to get you a better job? What's your return on investment? And I was like, all I want you to say is congratulations or I'm proud of you.
0: Sounds like a kind of crab in the bucket mentality a little bit. Yes.
1: Yes. And then I had people saying, how did you get in? And I had people saying, um, you know, most people were quite envious. Um, Understandably. Yeah. And uh, so that started to make me doubt myself. Uh. So to be honest, like I, March 1st, I got the email with the acceptance and I had, I waited for my parents. We did it on, um, three way and I couldn't believe it. I didn't tell people at first. I kept it really private because I was so afraid that if I told people, they would call me the next day and say sorry, we made a mistake with, you know, the system.
0: Yeah, you thought you might have jinxed it. Yeah, I jinxed
1: yeah. it. And then, oh, uh, we're, you didn't get in. And I think that happened somewhere. I think in UCLA Berkeley or something, they sent the wrong letter to the wrong crowd. They sent the, the admission letters <sighs> I to the, reading and the rejectees. reading Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was super scared. I'm going to tell you, it wasn't until I started classes that I was like, okay, I got in. That's so It was real. a real journey. And I, I didn't tell people. So people would ask me, oh, what are you doing? They say, oh, I'm going to grad school. Where are you going? Oh, to the States. Where Oh, uh, Massachusetts. Well, where? Boston. I, it took me, they had to ask me 10 questions before I said Harvard. And then I had some conversations with friends and I did some dig deeping, uh, deep digging rather. Right, right. And I was like, you know what? I have to own this cause I'm not going to get the confidence. So then I tried it sometimes and I'd say Harvard, but I'd get dismissed, yeah, especially by white or, Yeah. So then I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this for their validation. I'm doing it for mine. Exactly. So I had to keep practicing it. And it was a practice. And I had a conversation with one of my guy friends. And he said, I need you to practice that. I said, okay. So I tried practicing it. So when people asked me where I was going, if I had the courage, I would say I'm going to Harvard. So that was one way that I went over imposter syndrome. Throughout the year, I think having a group of people who were going through the same experience as me was really helpful. The commonality, we were all students of color. Hmm. And we were all sort of um, judged to think, oh, you got a handout or you got affirmative action got you in or, you know, this or that. And so it was really not looking at our merits, but looking at the color of our skin. And so that was really tough um, and really thinking about, did we deserve to be here? And it was a a pressure cook, right? Pressure pot there, you know, I would always be so worried with my assignments and then that imposter syndrome would kick in. If I don't get an A on this, they're going to kick me out. Do I belong to Harvard? And even rocking the gear. You know, and now when I rock the gear here, I still don't always get the best positive response, but I'm really trying to own, own the imposter syndrome and talk about it with, especially with folks of color to say, you're worth it, you matter. And for me, the imposter syndrome has carried through my job. It's still, um, still caring for it. And that's why I think the confidence piece, because I think I want to work on my confidence so that, um, I can believe that I deserve this as much as anyone else. Amen. And that's the tough part.
0: Wow. I'm, my mind was racing as you were, as, as you were narrating that. I just, uh, wow. Let's start with this. There are some communities out there where not getting into Harvard is seen as the weird thing. You getting into Harvard is the weird thing for our community over mm-hmm. here, for the communities mm-hmm. that you identify mm-hmm. with. Like I imagine if you're in a community of people, doctors, lawyers, engineers who have traditionally gone to Harvard, if you don't get in, you're the odd person out mm-hmm. and people are asking you the same questions, mm-hmm. just inverted. But here you are, you're breaking new ground. You're a pioneer. You're one of the few friends that I have who's gone the distance, who's done this. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, wow, if I ever decide to one day apply to Harvard, I'm going to give Shaliza a call. And you've done that. And to think that now you're going to invest in owning that narrative, Mm -hmm. more power to you. But it must be lonely.
1: Yes, it's definitely lonely. I think it's it's a double-edged sword because I think my first degree was in theater. Then I did education and I got a bit more validity in my community. So Mm -hmm. South Asian community is very much meritocracy Meritocracy, based, right? Which I think I don't necessarily agree with um, because of accessibility and oppression and all that kind of stuff. So first degree was in theater, then education, then I did cultural management. Um, But then Harvard was sort of like, oh, okay, so now you're valid in our community. You have a status. Mm. So I had to really think, am I going to Harvard for the status or the education? And it's a bit of both. And I'm not ashamed to say that at this point, it took me a while to get there. But I got in, I'm gonna earn I earned it and I'm gonna rock it. And I'm gonna wear my sweater because Absolutely. I earned it and I deserved it. But in the community, it can be lonely because I feel like there's a lot of jealousy. However, the positive things are two of my girlfriends said, You inspired me to apply for my masters. Hundo. One got in, she's in the program Amazing. this year, not at Harvard, but I'm um, in Toronto, a different a healthcare program. And another friend was like, you know what? Um, I'm gonna apply. You inspired me, I'm gonna come back and, and do my master's. So that was great. But it's isolating in the sense that Sometimes people see you, oh, she thinks she's all that, or she has status, or this and that. But then that's the weeding out process of maturity.
0: Absolutely. Where Couldn't agree more.
1: with all that, you weed out the people who are really riding for you and those who are just hating for you. And so I've learned to keep an even tighter circle.
0: 100%. I think it was Kwaku who tweeted this out like a while ago. He said, be mindful of the people who aren't clapping when you're succeeding. Something mm, to that approximation. Mm-hmm. And like I read that and I thought to myself, I'm like, oh, shit. I went back on Instagram and I looked at a couple of posts. I'm like, these posts should have been celebrated by certain people in my life and they didn't celebrate. And I started to notice a pattern. It got me thinking. I'm like, I've spent so much of my life trying to cater my Instagram for people that I'm not really catering to in the first place. What I've been trying to do and what I should be doing is exactly what you're doing is those two people who decided to make a transformative decision in their life because you express your truth to the fullest in the most authentic way. You posted for yourself and in telling your story, you were able to inspire other people that's who your audience is. Mm -hmm. It's not the haters. It's not the people who aren't clapping when you're succeeding. I mean, those are the people that will naturally weed themselves off. Exactly. I liken them to like little gargoyles on social media. They're like little stone creatures just sitting over there being like, I see this person over there. Why did they have this? I'm jealous. Like, hey, I know you're probably going through something. I have empathy for you. Hopefully you'll come around. But right now, I just got to be Shaliza Jamal to the maximum. Yes.
1: But that's why also with social media, like... You have to be careful what you post because people will be jealous. And sometimes they can sense the weakness or try to poke at the weakness or the imposter syndrome might have. But should you even worry about that, though? No, you shouldn't worry about it. But I always think, okay, what's my intention for posting this? What's the feedback I'm getting? Can I deal with this feedback or that feedback? And is it going to hurt someone by posting it? Am I showing off? And will someone who's not at a good place in their life be impacted negatively?
0: So what's that fine line between showing off and, like, genuinely expressing Mm -hmm. Because I think about this all the time with Bailey, my partner, right? She does a great job of telling her story in a way that it straddles the line between showing off Mm -hmm. and proudly telling the story of what's happening in her life. Mm -hmm. And I think there's very few times where it comes across as showing off. And because I know Mm -hmm. her, I know that she's genuinely not showing off. Mm -hmm. What she's trying to do is she's trying to raise the profile and awareness of her business. And she's trying to tell her story in a way that will beget more business. Yeah. But you and I... If we tried to replicate those same tactics that she's able to do so comfortably, mm-hmm. we're going to have that moment where the imposter will speak up and be like, hey, Shaliza, hey, Hamza, yeah. don't post it. You think you're all that, eh? Mm-hmm. Like, how do, we, how, do, how do we silence that shit?
1: Yeah, it's How do it's we tough. silence the imposter? You know what? Okay, so I'll give you one piece of advice that someone gave me. And it was about a job, but I think it can be replicated for anything. Sure. And he said, if you see an opportunity, job, whatever, and you think, if you think to yourself, would a white man do this? And if you think a white man would post it, a white man would apply, a white man would take that opportunity and run, then you do it. And I said, 100%. So that's what I think about.
0: What would a white man do? Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. what would a white man do? He would take it and run. And I think it's all about those opportunities. So like back to what you said, good people and not so good people are both watching your online presence. Mm. But in this case, for example... We give each other the opportunities yeah. and I want to give other people the opportunities. I've had many people who have reconnected who have seen what I've been doing. I didn't even know they were looking at my stories yeah. or my posts and then would private message me and say, I have this opportunity. For
0: Amazing, you. that's how it works.
1: Right, so I think for me, I want to authentically be myself. That's the key thing, authenticity. I want to be myself. I don't want to show off things and I think about it before I post. So sometimes I'll have a lull of posting but I want to show what I'm proud of and I'm proud of my birthday, I'm proud of celebrating, I'm proud of that I look good. Yes. I'm gonna show that. But I also wanna make sure that I'm showing things that are authentic to who I am, right? So like I, I post about Kaepernick, right? Like yeah. that's one of my posts. I'm not gonna put that in my story. I want you to see that because exactly. that's what I stand for. Right. And then if you wanna choose to unfollow me, follow me, that doesn't matter to me, but that's what I wanna stand for. So it's a mix of for me, it's a mix of like social justice and real hard, hard knock things. Like I would post something that says racism exists, but I'd also show me hanging out with friends sometimes, right? Because those are all different facets of me and that's who I authentically am.
0: I love it. And I think that there's a marketing benefit to this as well, because when you're able to shake off the people that don't want to engage with you in the first place, your engagement rates get boosted because mm-hmm. you don't have those fake followers. You don't have the flimsy followers, as mm-hmm. I call them, the people who are just lurking, the little gargoyles who yes. are there for some sort of political reason. Yeah. Maybe they're coworkers. Maybe there's some sort of reason that they're yeah. there because they're part of a, the same association for or sure. whatnot. But if they go away, suddenly your engagement boosts and if you know how Instagram works, listeners, um, your posts are served to 10% of your audience Mm -hmm. and if 10% of your audience actively and fervently engages with your post then it's served to the remaining 90. Mm -hmm. So it's in your best interest to have a random sample size of your following Mm -hmm. engage with your post. And so if the people who aren't clapping for you, who aren't liking you, who aren't retweeting you are gone, fantastic. Go away, you can come back later when you're feeling up. Yeah. And maybe that's what it is because I'm sure you've had times in your life, Shalisa, where you fell down, mm-hmm. where you were resentful, where you were angry, mm-hmm. where you were upset, and I think that maybe carried on into the way that you interact with people. When you saw them winning, mm-hmm. maybe you felt a little like, why do they have it and I don't? But here you are. You're winning right now. You're positive. You. You're yeah. a light. And your post said, turn my birthday into a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And you owned it, and you rocked it. Fantastic. Yeah, if if anyone but you
1: know, but but if but I'm mid-30s, but I'm still like celebrating my birthday, and I think everyone should. That's how I was raised, and I... I think that we should celebrate life. We have what to, to celebrate, we celebrate life. We yeah. have
0: to celebrate life. And I'm, I'm trying to get better at this. Like, I don't think I've done a good enough job with my friends for being there for the big moments in their life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just been a product of me being busy and going mm-hmm. through my own shit. Mm-hmm. But when I say busy, I really mean disorganized. Like My priorities are, all, are mm-hmm. we're all over the place. I think in our community, especially for people of color, for people who identify with various intersectionalities that are marginalized, that don't have access to power in the way that you know, I think straight white men do. Mm-hmm. I think we have to show up for each other.
1: Mm-hmm. 100%.
0: Be at art galas. Be at movie premieres. Retweet articles. Yep. Any small wins, throw a like. I see you. Keep going in.
1: Right. And and connect people, right? Yeah. If, I, if I have a connection and I can make it, why not make it? Yes. You know, because we have that power. We have that privilege. Yes. We have that connection, whether that's privilege of education or a connection. If we have that, Give it,
0: and and the the grand irony is that we've been socialized. Many of us, especially myself, have been socialized to believe that if you give, you lose. We operate from a deficit mindset, mm-hmm. but the the opposite cannot be more true. And I think um, uh, I keep on getting. I, I need to remember what this, um, th- this 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 logic. Uh, this, I think it's it's a fallacy. I think it is. Um, but when you give more, you get more in return. That's yes. the essence of it. By oh, yeah. giving shit away, yeah. you get more.
1: Well, even in like my religion, right? In Islam, we talk about giving. Like you don't yeah. hold on to things like we have, you know, the tithe or the zakat or the song, whatever yeah. you want to call 13% it. 13% of your wealth. Yeah, right. you give your wealth, right? And um, whether you can do it or not, but it's just that I've been raised with that mentality just to give, give, give. And you reminded me of something. Even with the imposter syndrome or the haters, what I've learned is, again, back to that authenticity principle, is like thinking about who I am. I'm kind. I'm going to continue being kind.
0: Absolutely. That's your brand. And so,
1: yeah, I'm going to I'm going to kill you with kindness. So, I'm going to allow myself to be upset for 2 hours that you were mean to me or you cut me down or you shut the door or you were, you know, vindictive or whatever it is. And then I'm going to be like, "You know what? I'm going to be true to myself because you can't change who I am." And Absolutely. that's that's the that's the worst stab in the back, right? So I'm going to be true to me mm-hmm. and I'm going to be kind to you because that's who I am and not let you um, you know, cut me down.
0: And that sounds like the definition of personal leadership right there, where you take these values and you commit to them and you persist with these values through thick and thin. Mm -hmm. And I love that kindness and generosity and giving seems to be the essence of Shalisa. You've been, you've been giving quite a bit. Like I see you on the circuit right now, hitting it hard, running all kinds of workshops. Like I was on your website and I was just impressed by the sheer breadth of things that you offer. Unconscious bias seems to be at the heart of that. Yes. For the listeners who aren't familiar with the concept, what is unconscious bias?
1: Sure. So unconscious bias, also known as implicit bias, are the beliefs and attitudes and stereotypes that we might have that we're not aware of. Mm -hmm. So for example, I might have a bias towards right-handed folks. If I'm right-handed, I might always assume that everyone's right-handed and put um, a piece of paper on the right-hand side. I might have a bias towards... um, fast drivers right might honk at people who are slow (laughs) those are biases right so it's it's the unconscious or um underlying the thoughts beliefs and stereotypes that you're unaware of now when we talk about unconscious bias in the equity diversity and inclusion space we're talking about those more detrimental and impactful biases like i see in education where we have pathways for example so where you tell a student of color to go take a college level course an applied level course or to be in a behavior program those are unconscious biases that lead to uh detrimental results Mm -hmm. and so there's so many unconscious biases that you can have um you know thinking about also something that south asians and asians um experience the model minority myth the
0: model minority myth, right so you know about that so the model
1: minority myth if if folks don't know is referring to asian americans It started in america but also canada where the belief that Asians are very good at math, that they're successful, that they're they're the model citizen. And this is actually a marketing strategy that started in the U.S. Really? They put Asians on Life Magazine, Time Magazine, McLean's in Canada, and they started a campaign to show, you know what, you should be like Asians. Wow. And a lot of it started to pit racial groups against each other. It started back in, in the potato farmers of the Irish, Jesus. where they pitted the Irish and the Chinese against each other. No way, I had no yes. idea. I was doing a lot of reading about this, and then the model minority myth surfaced after that. But the detriment of model minority myth is as an educator in the workforce, if you assume that you know the person with the Asian name is gonna be good at computers, is gonna be good at math, is gonna be your tech support, then that provides a pressure to that person if they are not good at math or not good at tech. Also, it leads to stereotypes, right? Mm-hmm. They might be uh, funneled into certain positions and, and jobs, or they might be tapped on the shoulder at work in those areas. And, and that is a stereotype that, it, that arises from a bias. That's a constant message that you're seeing. And you talked about media. And, you know, um, just a little spiel, like the, the biases come from our brain, right? So it's not, it's not a matter of being guilty. It's a matter of being aware and then changing and rectifying um, your behavior. But our brain has, you know, two sides. One side is the fast processing, the unconscious, where our brain thinks really, really fast. Instant. Because, instant, yes. Need to survive. Fast, yeah. efficient, e- efficient, efficient, yeah. instant. So for example, I see red light and I'm driving, I stop. Stop, yeah. Okay, that's my brain. The schemas that our brain creates. Mm-hmm. The conscious side is slow, deliberate, thought through. Yeah, prefrontal I mean, I cortex shit. Yeah. yeah, and for me, that's the yellow light. I'm thinking, am I gonna go? Am I not gonna go? Yeah. You know that <laughs> they call it the point of no am returning. My Mr.
0: let's go. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Do I see a copper I'm gonna think about it. Yeah. Whatever it is, right? Or I see a stop sign. So we have the left and the right brain. We have the unconscious and the conscious brain, and we have these schemas that are in our mind that are fast and acting fast because of the messages we're seeing. So you talked about social media before, and this is the issue, you know, for a lot of our millennials, especially they're scrolling through Snapchat, Mm -hmm. um, um, Instagram, repetition. repetition, and they're seeing all these images of what a successful person looks sure, like. Sure,
0: and they're juxtaposed with more images. 100%. They're chained together, right? Right. So One-dimensional th- that, definition.
1: Yes, and that bombardment of media images, the internet, as you were talking, is, yeah. a, is a very powerful tool because that's where the stereotypes come and the biases um, are are stewing in your brain because you're seeing the same image perpetuated over and over and over again. So you start to believe these biases. Oh, if I want to be successful, I must be X. I must look like X. I must do X. If I um if I don't get put into this class, if I don't get this job, if I look like this, I must. All these biases are unconscious and then can become conscious if we take our time and slowly think about them. Yeah. And that's where the education piece comes from. And that's why I think unconscious bias is like um, you know, the most popular topic that I'm asked to speak about.
0: Yeah, same. It's become like a really hot topic yes. at Skills Camp. We should talk after this. Yes, There's a couple of workshops to. that I think you'd be fantastic Awesome. For. I'd love to. Yeah. I'm terrified because I, I, I read a quote recently from Carl Jung um, mm-hmm. who said that that which is unconscious, if not acted out, becomes the thing that controls your life and that we then confuse it as fate eventually. Mm-hmm. And like, I've been trying to wrap my head around this for mm-hmm. a long time. So things that are unconscious, if they're left uncontested, if we don't wrestle mm-hmm. with them, they become, uh, they, 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 they become controls in our lives mm-hmm. that we then mistake for fate. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to think now about, you know, our earlier conversation about imposter syndrome yep. and walking around feeling this pressure to perform in a certain yep. way. That's one thing that we have to think about more than the average person. When I say the average person, I'm really talking about straight white male men walking through the world. Mm -hmm. I walk into a room, you walk into a room, and we can't just walk in as Shaliza and Hamza. Mm -hmm. We're thinking like, I got a beard, I'm dressed a certain way, I'm wearing a Mm -hmm. a throwback raptor's hat over here. Mm -hmm. Like, what are people going to think about me? And I'm sure you ask yourselves those questions all the time. I mean, prior to your birthday, because now this is the age of Shaliza. We've entered into the age of Shaliza where just get on board or get the fuck out. Yeah, exactly how do we begin to combat this? Like, what, what can we do at an individual level to, to rewire our brain?
1: Yes. So I just want to, that, that quote please, is interesting because I, I did a minor in psychology and I taught psychology. Mm-hmm. So for me, it, for me, I just, the first thing I think about is racism. Like, that's yeah. what that quote says to me. Well, racism. And then for the people who are racialized, it's like, yeah, it's stereotype threat. Self- What's stereotype threat? Stereotype threat is the threat that those stereotypes, those biases, when you see them, you yourself start to believe them.
0: Oh, shit. Well, that's also, so interesting. Also known yeah. as
1: self-serving bias. Another word for it, self-serving bias, where you'll do things. You'll um, take on that. That's what it's um, called. Um, yeah, okay. so there's, there's so many. There's like affinity bias and um, affirmation bias, yeah, ability yeah. bias, yep. confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. And all of those are products of internalized racism, which I want to talk about because Jeez. stereotype threat, imposter syndrome, internalized oppression... They're all connected.
0: They have to be, right? Right. They're coming from the same place, the same source. And the the idea that there was dissent planted from a marketing perspective is making me believe that there was a nefarious intent behind all of this.
1: 100%. And so to answer your question about combating it, I have like these three things I say. Please. My first one is awareness. Are you aware of your shortcomings? We all have biases, no matter if you are a person of color or if you're white. Mm -hmm. If you're white, cisgender, male, you know, the top of the food chain we all have biases. So being aware of your biases, number one. How can you be aware of them? You know, there's the implicit association test at Harvard. There's reading you can do. Uh, Talk to folks. Have a, um, you know, there's always like a, you have a critical friend. Have a critical friend. And I wouldn't say tokenize that person. Make it one of your friends of color. But any friend, white, black, you know, straight, gay, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who they are. Someone who's close to you that can be your critical friend to call you out.
0: Right. Or call you in, as I've learned. Or call yeah, you call in. You yes, I call, yeah. say call in or call out.
1: And um, so who can tell you gently, you know what? I think you said that, but I don't think you meant that. And yes. this is the impact it had yeah. or could have. The other thing is then education, which follows on that. So really taking opportunity to educate yourself. So again, making that a priority for you to go learn. Talk to people, but read lots of books, listen to podcasts, um, watch videos, Go to workshops, educate mm-hmm. yourself because the job is your work to slow down. It's not a person of color or someone from the LGBT community or from someone who's uh, disabled to make that job easy for you. That's the hard work is the education piece.
0: I'm on board for this. So awareness, critical friend, education. Yes,
1: and my last one. Yeah. So why I said awareness, education. And my last one is action. Action. Because it's very, it's, it's okay to chat, 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 have this all this chatter, but what are you going to do about it? And that can be something little. It can be something small like okay, I see this person of color. Um, I'm assuming these things, these things are running through my head. I'm going to stop and take a moment and not say that or not think that. Mm-hmm. And I do that all the time. It's, it's about slowing yourself down.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm. We're preaching to the choir over here. Like yes. everyone in this room right now and uh, most of the listeners I'd say over here are on board with
1: mm-hmm.
0: this. And it's hard work. But I feel like, People who are on the outside are the ones that are shouldering this burden. Like, mm-hmm. what is the responsibility of allies in this case? Yes. So, if you're listening to this and you identify as somebody who has privilege, as somebody who has power, what, 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 what you know, what, what is the responsibility that they have to yeah. help make the world a better place for everyone? Yeah, move towards more, uh, a more an equal world.
1: Right. So that word "ally" is such a word of contention these days. Mm-hmm. But I want to first say that an ally or an allyship is given and earned, not taken, or not claimed. Gotcha. And what I mean by that is that you can't just say you're an ally of X community or Y community. You have to earn that trust. The other thing is that an ally can be an ally, but the the contest comes when we think about ally. Is an ally really an accomplice or a critical friend or a co-conspirator? So for those allies out there, are you going to get in there and do the education and action for yourself? Or are you going to just... Do the talking. So uh, let's let's walk the walk, not not just sit there and talk, talk in a theoretical sphere about unconscious bias or about racism or about anything. Let's do the action piece, and that's what the role of allies is. The role of allies is to be an accomplice and a co-conspirator. And that could mean anything, right? Like if, if one of your friends has a, a, has a child that has a disability and they need your support or they don't even need your support, they, you, you may, they might even ask you. Maybe you ask them, how can I support you? Oh, uh, you know what I'm having? There's a walk this weekend. Um, I'd love you to f- join me. Join them. Right. Get in there. Get in the fight. Yeah. If you, you talked about uh, posts and retweeting and stuff like yep. that, maybe you're uh, retweeting. Maybe you're engaging in dialogue, asking questions, mm-hmm. um, supporting that person silently or in person, going to their workshops, um, uh, going, supporting their podcasts. If you are an ally and you have the power and privilege to have a connection, connecting people. I was at a leadership workshop on Saturday and, and, um, it's a women of uh, a women's leadership program for all women. Right. And, uh, one of the women who, uh, identified as white said, you know, I'm getting all these lunches with executives, but I can't seem to land a job. I said, Lucky you get those jobs with executives. People of color, especially women of color, don't get jobs. No. She said, really? And she said, well, what do I do about it? I said, well, you can use your power and your privilege to connect those people who aren't, who exactly. aren't uh, leading to connections for you to connect them to other women of color. Tap
0: people into the Tap organism. Tap people in.
1: Exactly. Call people in. Mm. And so allies, look at the areas of privilege you have and use that privilege for action. Use it to be a true ally or an accomplice or a co-conspirator. Be on the front lines. So, for example, um, just think about teaching right now. We're in a shamble around teaching and about autism funding and special education funding. Uh, the government's gotten rid of uh, pathway funding, um, funding for Indigenous youth programs. So maybe you want to take it upon yourself to, you know, write a letter to an MP or get out there and um, be a co-conspirator in any aspect that you can. So that action piece, I think, is critical for allies.
0: Wow. Um, You've shaken me to my core. Truly. Truly. And uh, this is why I love this podcast so much because I have an opportunity, the privilege to sit down with people that are just so passionate and insightful and knowledgeable and are able to distill what it is that they know into clear, actionable steps. And that last piece over there is what's been missing from my equation, which is the action piece. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the one thing that I haven't been showing up for. And I think I've been scared. I think I've looked at the world and I've said to myself, I think we're past the point of no return. Mm. And I say that because, uh, you know, ever since Donald Trump won, and I found myself realizing that I was in a filter bubble. I was mm. in a big, liberal, social justice filter bubble. And I believed that him winning could have never happened in a million years. And it happened. And since then, I've made a conscious effort to engage. Not, not, not engage, because I don't actually participate, but I lurk. I'm part of these really conservative, problematic Facebook groups. Mm -hmm. I'm on these subreddits where I'm seeing the vitriol and Islamophobia and Mm -hmm. just racism, like plain-faced, OG, scary, Mm -hmm. like I'm worried for my physical safety shit. And um, I think that there's a swath of the population that is listening to our podcast right now or who, who never listened to our podcast in the first place. But if they were, they would tune out because it's like not too much work. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. I want my tribe to win. I want my people to win. I don't want the world to move towards a place where we're all equal. And so I've been a little cynical, but you're absolutely right. With what little privilege and power I do have, I need to use my platform to amplify, to to, 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 to manifest my support in the three ways that you just described.
1: Mm-hmm. And one thing I've been working on, you talked about sort of looking at these different posts. I think it's a good thing because... You know, when I first came back from Harvard and I had been in a bubble myself, mm-hmm. everyone was social justice-minded. Justice, justice sorry, yeah. justice
0: everyone was too. Yeah, <laughs> justice Um
1: Everyone was in the same kind of mindset as me. Everyone had the same goals and mission. I came here and I was sad. Yeah. I was defeated. Like you said, we had Ford. Um, you know, there's, there's
0: Trump. A pl- populist movement sweeping the world right yeah, now. Yeah, I know. Modi and in I was, India.
1: I was so disappointed because I said, where are the people who are like-minded as me? And, yeah. um... You know, and I had a conversation with a friend uh, who is the associate director of diversity at the School of Education at Harvard. And uh, we're good friends. We share a birthday. We're like twins. But she said, you know, uh, it was about teaching. And she said, if you're not going to teach the white kids, who's going to teach the white kids? And then we had a conversation. If you're not going to put yourself in spaces that are uncomfortable, then who will? So what I mean by that is, uh, you know, for both of us, I think it's getting to be in conversations that are uncomfortable and spending time with people who are not always like minded Mm -hmm. because sometimes you can just shift their mind right a little bit i'll give you a small example summertime there was a jays game sweltering hot i was off my cousin came to see me i saw two cops outside okay i have a bias towards cops yeah i think they're kind of mean but these cops i was sweating i was wearing a skirt they were wearing full like there was a woman and a man wearing pants and there's a dairy queen across the street i said my cousin let's go buy them ice cream so you want to buy ice cream for the cops? cops what's wrong with you i said yeah let's go buy it for them so then i said to them we walked by and i said um i'm gonna get you ice cream do you have any allergies and i said what do you want he said, you re-, he said you're really gonna buy me ice, ice cream, cream? <laughs> i said yeah. <laughs> yeah he's like or do you just want to take a picture of me and post on social media of me eating ice cream during my job That's i said no funny. i just want to get you ice cream yeah so we went there and uh we bought them two bottles of water and ice cream Boom. like dilly bars Nicely brought done. them to them. I said, "Wow, you really bought it for me." I said, "Yeah," and then my cousin said, "That's nice of you." I said, "You know what? It was in my intention, my, my heart. I wanted to do that, but also, those interactions, maybe it changes someone's mind. Hundred percent, right? Maybe they don't think of me as a because I look youthful, right? Maybe they don't yes, think of know, me absolutely. as a as a young brown woman who's just jaywalking or something, right? <laughs> maybe that that yeah. interaction will make that person feel better that day, I think so. and that kindness can shift can shift mindsets. And so that's why I think it's important to." be in circles that are uncomfortable, it's hard, I'm working on it, and be around people who ha- don't share the same opinions as you.
0: This is, You know what? You've, you've reinstilled a confidence that I think was lacking in me, an optimism that was lacking in me, because my access to social media and the amount of time that I spend thinking about it, working mm-hmm. in it, teaching it, and all of that, I felt like it was a lost cause because for every one action, for every one ice cream that Shaliza buys a cop, <laughs> that cop is now, I'm just going to assume they're part of conservative groups on mm-hmm. Facebook that are just bombarding them with like, oh my God, look at what he did. More Syrian fucking refugees mm-hmm. coming here. They're taking our job. They're right. Right. And I think that that's like a stream that's so, if, if you're trying to do one good deed, if you're trying to create one positive interaction, you're going, you're going upstream. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. It's those things that are much more impactful because at the end of the day, what's Facebook? Right. It's just this digital thing. It's right. just a, just text on a screen, right? right? But, but what's going to get moment, you out of
1: bed, right? What's going to get you out of bed? Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so it's that moment. So I mean, I don't. I've never told anybody this story. Nobody knows that I did that. Just my cousin and I. But it's how can you use this hope, this passion, this optimism yeah. for good, right? And of course, there's days where we feel down, but it's like that passion, that drive, that. Um, that passion I have for, um, hopefully justice, you know, and leveling that playing field for lack of a better word. And, and my, my love for, um, fighting against oppression. I think that's what gets me out of bed. And that's what says, you know what, I'm going to continue being nice to that person who was not nice to me. Absolutely. And I'm going to tighten my circle, but I'm going to share things on social media. And like my friends, aunts and uncles will be like, Oh, Shaliza, you know, you're very active on Facebook. I see the post. <laughs> you're not afraid to say what you think. And I was like, oh, auntie, you're looking at my post, but they're on my Facebook exactly, and they see. Exactly. And they're like, you're not afraid to speak up.
0: Where did you see this, auntie? You saw it because right? you were lurking. Yes. and you're I have like, a gargoyle. Former yeah.
1: professors at York University being, like, I haven't seen them in 15 years. Shaliza, I'm so proud of you. Boom. I'm so proud of the woman you've become. And, and these are white women. They're looking at what I'm reading and they're sharing it. So I think that optimism is the key, like what you said, being true to yourself and being optimistic because there's no other way to be.
0: And I don't I don't think like being apolitical and saying, I'm not gonna share my politics, I don't talk about politics, mm. religion, I think that's a cop out, honestly. That's not me. That's not me. And I I think I did that for a long time and I want to commit to you and I want to commit to all the listeners. Like you're going to see a marked improvement on my part to be more optimistic, to be more confident, to retweet, to amplify, to participate more in serving this higher order priority of good, of helping people. And Kudos, it's good. I, no, but, but the thing is, we need to do this because there's strength in numbers. Mm-hmm. And right now, we're being outnumbered. Our, yeah. asses are, our asses are being kicked across the world and just mm-hmm. dragged through the mud. I mean, you just turn on CNN any day and you can just see all kinds of fuckery that's mm-hmm. happening, right? Mm-hmm. Forget about CNN. Don't even turn that on because it's not showing you the real shit. Put on Fox News. Yeah. Go expose yourself to Breitbart. See what's happening over yeah. there. And you can see that there's a worship that's happening of this idea that the world is small and that people need to only look out for themselves mm-hmm. and, you know, not everyone is equal. And mm-hmm. we're just reverting back to a time where I'm afraid that, you know, if you look like us, uh, if you identify with any of our intersectionalities, mm-hmm. the world's not going to be a nice place mm-hmm. for you to be in.
1: And for those listeners who are afraid, you know, because of their jobs or whatever, I know I did say one thing once on social media or on the news. It was not even bad. It was just about your bosses or something. This sure. was like 15 years ago. And I kind of got reprimanded a little bit. But if you're afraid of doing that, don't be afraid of having rich in-person dialogue and conversations with your, with your colleagues, right? Um, you know, protect yourself because this is a, you know, still a oppressive system and structure we live in. Um, but engage in those dialogues in whatever way you're comfortable with. That's it.
0: While we're on the topic of unconscious bias, let's move on to the next segment of the podcast. Um, I had to run this by you before we started just because there has been some feedback from some of our listeners. Uh, They've said that what we've done is we've usually created custom games for the guests. And then for the last three episodes, I got a little bit lazy and we started to do, like, explain that gram. And some of our listeners reached out and they're like, hey, man, step it up. We want to hear custom games (laughs) again. So we're back to the grind. And I had a lot of fun designing this custom game. But it's a custom game that might make people uncomfortable. But I think that's exactly
1: what we need to do. Yes. If you you listen to, um, if you've read uh, Courageous Conversations... Experience discomfort. That okay. is the key to that action, awareness, and education piece. So I'm all for it. I'm ready. Let's
0: go. This game is called ca- Casual Racism Translator. Awesome. Where you primarily are going to be a translator of phrases that are thrown around, and I'm going to act as an ignorant co worker, and I'm going to say some problematic phrases that I think are just, hey, this is just how we speak. These are colloquialisms, these are Canadian phrases, these are North American phrases. But I want you to actually interpret what it is that I'm really saying. Decoded. Decoded. And you know what? If you're (laughs) listening to this and you've said these phrases, we'll now understand, listeners, that this is what you actually said. And if you know people who have said this to you, if you've heard this at your workplace, now you know actually what's really being said. So, the first phrase, (laughs) Shaliza, and thank you for playing this game. There's about 10 phrases. Let's rock it. Phrase number one why does everything have to be about race?
1: Hmm. Interesting one. (laughs) That is about guilt. So that means that I am too uncomfortable to consider your racial identity, but secretly I have my own biases.
0: Hmm. Yep. Number two. I don't really see color.
1: Hmm. I'm trying to be progressive and um, treat everyone equally, but I know that white men still get it better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Number three. I'm just going to pick a, a race at random over here. Sure. I grew up around brown people.
1: Hmm. I can't be racist because I know some brown people. But really, <laughs> I'm just trying to show you that I am only a little bit racist, but not towards you. You're my friend. That's a long There you one. go. Sorry.
0: Uh, I dated a black person.
1: Hmm. Oh, I hate that one. <laughs> I... Love black men, so that must mean I'm not racist. And I hope you'll believe me.
0: That's it, Iggy Iggy Azalea, if you're listening to this, it's for you, man. (laughs) Uh, Number five, I don't want to sound racist, but.
1: I mean to sound racist, so.
0: (laughs) You're on fire. You're you're so quick with these, man. Uh, Number six, not all white people, though.
1: I feel really guilty.
0: Number seven: why must you always be the victim?
1: I don't have the energy to change, and I'm frankly just lazy.
0: Uh, where are you really from though?
1: I think white people made this country, so I want to know, why are you here?:
0: Shaliza, I'm just going to throw two curveballs at you over here. Okay. I'm going to move away from like casual racism, okay. just go into blatant racism, okay. if you don't mind. Let's see if right? I can take it. Go back to your country.
1: I'm losing power.
0: <laughs> oh, man. You're so good at this. And, and, and listeners, Shaliza did not see these. She's, this she's part of
1: my doing this on the
0: fly here. Uh, oh, you know what? Let's do this one. Make America great again.
1: I'm scared of all the people of color. They're going to take over.
0: Wow, Shaliza Jamal on your feet so quick—you just rock Thanks. that.
1: Thanks. No, I try. It's my lived experience. I hear this shit every day. It's terrifying, every right? Day. And so,
0: you know what? Guilty as charged. I think there were times in my life where I might have said something like them, something like this. I think I once, maybe more than once in my life, I probably said something like, "I don't see color," or I remember like early mm-hmm. on in my life, it's like, "Yeah, I grew up around." X race, you know, yeah. a, a person with X identity, and therefore I get a pass, right? Mm-hmm. That's not the case, mm-hmm. right? And so this goes back to your initial point about awareness around education around action. Like, you need to do the hard work. Mm-hmm. Listeners, myself, everyone in the community needs to do the hard work of understanding that your words have power and that mm-hmm. you speak things into power and that you, you know, your your words have gravity and your thoughts mm-hmm. become things. And so mm-hmm. you it, it, you you have to do the hard work. There's right. there's no escaping it. Yeah. What version of the world do you want to be in? If you want to be in a better world, well, let's do the work.
1: What version of the world would I be in? Yeah. So that statement, colorblindness, really sticks out to me. And it's it's a world where the importance of seeing color is that it's important to see individuals for their own lived experiences and social identities and accept them. And so a world I would like to live in, if you've seen that graphic, uh, listeners, that has the equality, equity, liberation, and some of it has reality and justice. It's uh, three individuals watching a baseball game on oh, different right. crates. on
0: different crates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good picture. My yeah.
1: world is a world where we're all watching the baseball, the Raptors game. Yeah. We don't have to pay for it. We're all, we're all watching. There's no fence. There's nothing there. Um, but there are things in place to make sure. So this is the equity piece. There's things in place uh, to make sure that we can see the game in the same way. And my world would exist where I see women um, not cutting each other down, but supporting each other, more men and women of color in leadership roles, mm-hmm. um, more women in, men and women um, of color who are not benefiting from anti-black and anti-indigenous racism, because I see that within our communities, Terrifying. but we as, as a woman of color, as a South Asian woman, I still am uh, benefiting from anti-black and anti-indigenous uh, racism. So I, I would like to see a world where we are really together as people of color, accomplices, co-conspirators, to find true justice, where then you can say that all people are the same. That's equality. But I, I don't know if we'll have that in my lifetime, um, you know, um, or in anyone's lifetime at this point. But that is my ideal world where we are all, you know, you have a TV show about a bunch of, a bunch of high schoolers or, and they're all different race, ability, sexual orientation uh, or expression and they're not tokenized, right? Absolutely. Where individuals are not tokenized, where individuals are really recognized for their strengths um, and where people of color don't have to work t- 10 times as hard, where we don't have, you know, 5% of indigenous folks Um, represent Canada and 27% of them are in jail. Jesus. Where we don't have that happening. Right. Um, And we're really celebrating each other and not being so um, capitalist in our thinking where we cut each other down. Absolutely. as society, as humankind, we bring each other up.
0: And we, you know what, you c- couldn't have said it better. The, the, everything you've said right now is just really making me think about the people in my life right now who, you know, are enthralled by Jordan Peterson mm. and similar thought leaders um, who are preaching this idea that equity is a bad thing, mm-hmm. right? Equality of uh, e- equality of outcome is terrible, and that's going to take us back to, you know, Soviet Russia, mm. and we've already seen this play out with Nazi Germany and mm. whatnot. And I'm like, man, like, hold on, hold on, Slower horses over here because you have to understand the power that you have and yeah. by giving these platitudes and by giving these buzzwords and, you know, these sound bites to people who are not contending critically with the issues in right. the way that you are, they get drunk off that and that becomes 100%. their MO and then they use that as an excuse to not do the work. Right. And again, it comes back to what version of the world do you want to live in? And right. if you just do the arithmetic and you go down the logical progression of what world you're going to live in if you choose to do the work or choose not to do the work. Yes. It really depends on who you are, and and, and you're seeing seeing the ripple effect. I mean, there's a lot of podcasts that I listen to, Joe Rogan included, Mm -hmm. where you can see him echo those sentiments, Mm -hmm. and it's problematic because you have the biggest podcast in the world right Mm -hmm. now, and you have a lot of impressionable young men listening to you who are now just parroting exactly those thoughts.
1: Right, and that's the positionality, right? What's their positionality? What's their power and privilege position that they're coming from to spread these messages? Right, Because they've never had the lived experience of oppression that's it. and systemic inequality, right? And so that's why for me, it's the education piece. You know, a perfect world, everyone would be critical thinkers and really educating themselves. I'm just thinking of more and more things I want to say, but that's the problem, right? We, we see this with voting. We see this with policies because people are not educated. They'll just listen to a spearhead. And that's well, that's where social media can be powerful. Yep. So Hamza, maybe you can be the next uh, social media guru here think, thinking about our digital footprint matters. And so how can we shift that? Because people are looking for this quick, efficient bites of knowledge, just like unconscious bias, right? So how can we give quick, fast, efficient bits of information? Because people are doing that when they vote, when they make decisions. They're looking for the easy way out.
0: That's a challenge. And that's why I love the podcast format. which is why I got really jazzed about this is because people who are listening to us, like, thank you so much for tuning in. Like, Mm. it's like, we're hanging out with you. Like you could be at work right now. You could be studying, you could be driving, but I feel like all of us are sitting together in a room right now and we're having this conversation and you can hear us. And you know, one day I hope that if as a listener of the podcast, we get to interact with you as well, but you're probably yelling things back at us and you're nodding your head and you're disagreeing, but whatever. We're having that dialogue right now. We're having the dialogue in a way that's so 2019 and even beyond that as well. Um, Shaliza, I'm I'm in just awe of of. Your ability to show up and be on your A game, and you're fasting today too, which Thank is wild. You. You're so sharp. I want to really unpack and understand and unravel the systems that go into building you. Mm. Like, let's talk about your productivity systems. Sure. How is it that you organize your time, your energy, mm. your attention? How do you optimize it? Because I know that I want to download some of that and bring it into my own life. And I know the listeners want to do the same as well. Thank you. Let's start with time. So, you have committed to higher education. Yes. You recently wrapped up your master's program, yes, right? I did. Congratulations. Thank Thank and you. I think a doctorate is in the cards yes, as well. Yes, so
1: I'm starting in September. I'm going to be working full-time and doing my uh, PhD in social justice education at OISE. So I'm nervous to be working and going to school part-time, but we'll see how it goes.
0: I'm shuddering because those are two full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. How are you going to balance that? And when I ask you that, I'm really asking about how you balance it in the first place. Sure. When you were doing your master's, you were also working full-time. Yes. You were growing your entrepreneurial venture. Yes. You're in a long-term, committed, healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. You're managing your fitness. You're... you're You're juggling so many things. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about your relationship with time. How do you organize and structure your time?
1: Sure. So I've been often called the energizer bunny and um, and I'm always working on managing my time. Uh, I think I don't sleep enough. I would like to sleep more, but that's one of the ways I manage my time. I get my sustainability through people. So I'm a major extrovert, Mm -hmm. like whatever that, on that, that scale, I forgot. MBTI. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like the top (laughs) extrovert. And so You talk to us and you get energy. Yes, I get energy from people. Love it. So like. That's not me is it? Oh. oh it's uh, all good. I get I get energy from people. Yeah. That's my biggest thing. So I get recharged from being around people. Right. Whether that's from doing a workshop for students or for teachers or whoever it might be, I get I get life. Like, that's really, good. I get life. So that's one thing. Very cool. Um, to manage my time, I really love uh, using the calendar function in my cell phone, um, the reminders right. with use Siri. Google, Google Calendar? Uh, so I use Google Calendar, yep. Nice. And then I also, um, you know, thinking about universal design and accessibility, I use my Siri, like, hey, Siri, yeah. you know, set this reminder for me. Set this timer Does for Siri me.
0: actually listen to you? Because I feel like she when does. you're talking about unconscious She's bias... I was
1: saying it softly because she might listen.
0: Programmed bias is a real thing yes. where the people who are programming AI, I'm really worried about about that because AI, siri siri and i have the worst relationship i i have said things to siri that i would not say to anyone right like i have cursed at siri so many I times serious like, i her, just asked you for the Raptors. we call sport, her man. Shiribai, the shiribai shiribai
1: <laughs> um but so my that speaking of i got my dad a google home oh, man. and he's like she doesn't understand my damn accent because yeah, he, he says man. google like he says a little bit of an accent like he's google. got like an east yeah, african yeah, yeah. like a colonial <laughs> he's got like east african indian accent so it's like a british indian accent Did you do it for us i don't know he's, he's google right and then, and then he be like this stupid girl doesn't understand my voice like it's garbage throw it, throw it away and i went home last year for christmas and i was like are you using it? it's like i don't use it just return it it's a waste of money so he was getting frustrated that she didn't understand him, <laughs> and it made me sad because yeah. I was like, "Your Your life a could bit. be so much better." if I know. If you did. But yeah, so I use, um, so I use voice
0: control. Voice control.
1: I use my calendar. I use my friends. I'm old school. Hey. If you look in my bag or you look on my papers, I like writing down lists. Hey, you like, have, I have more a list words on that bag. paper than I wrote. I down have there, a yeah. list in my bag of everything I have to do. So, so this is my mind too. I am not a one track. I go everywhere. My mind, like. My my drama teacher in grade twelve was like, You have like multiple tracks going on in your brain. And so my mind is thinking about a hundred things at one time. Sure. I'm already thinking about like what I could have said differently for our game, but that's okay. You've been rocking. That. I know. You, I'm, you, I'm like thinking
0: you hit that game out of the I'm park. I'm always Don't thinking. Worry about
1: that. So to keep me on track sometimes, I'll say, Okay, she'll take a deep breath and write these things down. Cause sometimes I do forget things. Right. Um, and then I also prioritize, okay, so what's due when? Mm-hmm. I also am a big sucker for procrastination and what I mean by that is I strive with stress and deadlines yep I do really well with doing things last minute or um not to say that I haven't prepped for it but like I can think about a paper stew on a paper you know write notes to write an essay but then like Five days before or two nights before, I can hammer it out.
0: It's a Kawhi Leonard effect, right? Like he yeah, said that 82 yeah. games, there's just practice, yeah. there's just warm exactly. up, and he's activated in the playoffs. I have a buddy named Fazan. Kawhi and I, but also FaZe, shout out to FaZe, right? This guy went to school with one of my best friends. I sat in a class with him one time, and uh, he was on Reddit, or I think this was even before Reddit. He's mm-hmm. probably on like WorldStar or something mm-hmm. the whole time. And I'm like, yo, man, like, you never take notes in class, like, you never mm-hmm. study. And he's like, I need to get bored first.
1: Mm-hmm. He's
0: like, when I'm bored, when I feel yep. like that, that the intensity of the deadline, that's yes. when I shift into gear.
1: Yes, I hate being bored. That's for me. I have to be doing something like all the time. Right. Like I'm going to go home tonight, work on that, something. Yeah. yeah, like I have something to work on for a leadership and mentoring program I'm facilitating tomorrow. And it's like I like to plan in my head ahead of time, write the note, and then just go out there and do it. Yeah. And I think that's the way I work. Um, so I, I'm an actor too, so I write monologues or plays and sometimes I write the best stuff when I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's right here. And I just write, 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 write,
0: write. You're a true multi-potentialite. You're doing so much. I love it. Let's talk about energy now because especially in the realm of the work that you're doing with equity, diversity, inclusion, unconscious bias, you're dealing with really heavy Mm -hmm. subject matter. Mm -hmm. And I know because my sister's a a registered nurse, like Mm -hmm. sometimes I've seen her come home and just be exhausted like you could see like today she dealt with some really difficult shit yeah how do you how do you how do you maintain your energy because you're high energy every time i've met you every time i've seen you like you've just been again exuding confidence and happiness and radiance I imagine that that's an active process of trying to subdue the heavy shit that you encounter. Yeah, I
1: think my body is shutting down a little bit today because I had a nap for the first time in 10 years today before (laughs) I came here. Magic. Um, I don't really nap. But what gives me, I think, energy is, so I I do go to the gym like three, four times a week. I haven't gone in a while, um, but I do go to yoga. Nice. And I go to mosque at least once a week. Right. And that is like my time where honestly, like I go and I just come on a new person. Like I just feel so good just being in that spiritual Mm. space. Um. And also, um, I think reading, I don't, I, again, like reading, I have three books on the go right now. I'm not wow. through any of them. But like reading um, and having tea or coffee, chai, you know, um, that also like settles me down. Yeah, You've got
0: your rituals, yeah. Yeah.
1: Sometimes watching like a really, oh, I hate to say it, like a, a dirty show on Netflix. And what I mean Give by me dirty? An oh my gosh. So on, uh, Saturday night? Or no, yeah, Saturday night it was like Dynasty, the remake of Dynasty on Netflix. <laughs> it's trashy, garbage oh, TV. Oh, I thought you meant
0: like dirty, dirty. I mean, like just, oh, just oh, like junk Dynasty. TV. Oh, okay, yeah, Dynasty. Yeah. yeah,
1: like horrible, mindless TV. Oh, sure, yeah. Because I'm always watching Keeping documentaries. Up with the yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't watch them. Okay, okay. That's too dirty. <laughs> that's too dirty. That's too dirty. That's too dirty. But like Dynasty, okay. or because usually I'm watching documentaries or like. You know, things about missing people. Yeah, or, very you know,
0: critical, it, heavy things. Heavy things. Ringing. My yeah.
1: friend was over last week. He wanted to watch Stranger Things. And I was like, that's scary. It got me really stressed out. I was like, I can't watch this. Yeah. But Dynasty, you know, that shameless TV.
0: Low engagement. Low, low engagement. cognitive capacity. But needed. I also really yeah. love
1: watching the news. I know that's weird. I'm an old lady like that. Like, I love watching the news or even Trevor Noah mm-hmm. to get the recap of the day. And like, oh, okay, this is my routine. So, right. like, I don't have cable at the moment, but I, sometimes my satellite picks it up. So... News is something I love to look at before I go to bed, like gotcha. to, to look at or to watch on TV.
0: And, and speaking about like before going to bed, let's switch to attention and talk about that. The last piece of the performance point segment. Um, do you check your phone before you go to bed? Yes, I'm you working on this. You got that bad this. habit. I'm
1: working Don't on do this. Don't do it, my friend. I'm a work in progress. So yeah. I always say during Ramadan or New Year's or my birthday, my New Year's birthday Ramadan resolutions <laughs> are too.
0: <laughs> Your birth stop, Ramadan, yeah.
1: St- stop looking at my phone or TV one hour before I go to bed so yeah. that I can get the melatonin working. That's it. Um... Melanin. Melanin. Yeah, no, Melanin.
0: Mel- melatonin. Melatonin. Oh, melatonin. I was right the first yeah, yeah. time, right? Okay. Melanin is totally different. Melanin my <laughs> Melatonin.
1: Get the melatonin like working, get that third eye going. So that's right. my goal, but I yeah. don't always do it. I usually, um, you know, speak to my boyfriend first thing and last thing at night. So usually we have a good night call. Then I usually go through my calendar before I go nice. to bed just to make sure that my brain is prepared. Absolutely. Um, and then I usually, sometimes I scroll through a few things.
0: Um, oh, guilty as charged. Even though yes. I said don't do that, like I think two nights ago I was on Reddit before I fell mm-hmm. asleep because I just watched Game of Thrones actually. Mm. No, that was that would have been last week. So, la- so last week, episode three, uh, yeah, season I heard it was eight. amazing. I'm not going to say anything, but. I've
1: never watched Game of Thrones, so I'm going to start.
0: Uh, if you're talking about a high stress show, yeah. this is the worst, man. Like this will linger with you for weeks and weeks and weeks. But um, you're right. There's, there's certain things and we've explored sleep quite a bit through mm-hmm. the podcast there's certain rituals that if you want to hit your bed snoozing mm-hmm. like turning your phone off is chief among 100%. the things that you need to do
1: yeah i've got i've, I've tr- i have different things i try and stuck with me yet like i have the himalayan pink salt oh light. nice
0: yeah clutch. i've
1: got a like sage diffuser yeah um, just but creating the
0: optimal environment for sleep. Yeah,
1: trying to. Yeah, but I don't sleep enough, and that's my greatest weakness. Um, How
0: many hours a night are you getting?
1: Maybe like six, six and a half.
0: But that might be optimal for you. Like,
1: I think I need eight. I'm so tired. Right. Like today, I was just so tired. Yeah. Could be the Ramadan, but also could be you know I just think I've kind of hit my point, and so I have to listen to my body. Right on. So now I'm gonna try to you know um, you know cut out the late night coffees and teas because mm-hmm. that's affecting my system too. Right. Absolutely. My body's like we're awake. Um and. I'm trying and I always try and I always get back to it. Like I said, discipline of stopping work at like 1030 so that yeah. I can get to bed by 11 or whatever. My goal is always 11 o'clock. It doesn't always happen.
0: Yeah, you know what? For, for what it's worth though, you're in the building phase right now. Yes. And we're all in the building phase, but you especially are applying yourself with such vigor to scale your business, to scale your enterprises to a level where it'll be self-sustaining at some yeah. point. And I understand that while that's happening and you know I've been an entrepreneur myself like you have to you have Mm -hmm. to give up more time and more energy and more attention than the average person yeah I'm a
1: work in progress I'm not perfect and I'm trying and trying new things that stick and um, you know maybe maybe the some things just aren't working for me so maybe I just have to Make my day so that I uh, have a nap or something during you, the day. You'll figure f- it you'll out. You'll find your flow. Yeah, It'll I'll come find to it. you.
0: But like we talked about social media, I think I was yeah. either just before we went on air yeah. or certainly after. And I know we've talked about it quite a bit, but let's talk specifically and just end this segment by understanding your relationship with social because mm-hmm. it's a necessary evil in your line of work. Mm-hmm. As a public speaker, as a workshop facilitator, as a personal brand. You have to amplify, yes. you have to tell the story of what Shaliz is doing. Otherwise, yeah. You do a workshop, nobody knows about it, exactly. but in our line of work, it's a marketing tool. Yes. But at the same time we are also aware that it can be a slippery slope. Yeah. What is your relationship with social media? How do you balance like being professional and then putting your phone away and making sure that it doesn't manage you? Yeah.
1: No, I love social media. I'm addicted. I love the pictures Mm -hmm. and looking at everyone's life. Hijacks that limbic system. Like I have friends all over the world so I love to see what they're up to. Of course, yeah. So I guess with social in terms of all social like LinkedIn I've really learned how to be professional on LinkedIn. So for example I was featured on a World Partnership Walk post uh, and I'll share that with you. So I put that on LinkedIn and it was like hey donate and this is what I'm up to. So I put like all the professional stuff on LinkedIn. I'll try to post on LinkedIn at least once a week because I've seen that it's gotten me clients. It's also... Increases my engagement, and I get um, you know more more audience that way. Totally. With Instagram and social, I think that I try to post a couple of days a week if I can. Right. But I'm in the middle of dealing with transitioning from my personal account to like a coaching account. Nice. Because I think that I want some things just to be private, social. Of course. And I want people who don't know me to be on my coaching website. Right. Or my coaching, uh, sorry, uh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the midst of that, thinking about, like, you know, good name, thinking about branding for that, because I want to I wanna keep some things personal. Absolutely, I'm at that yeah. stage where I want to keep sense. things personal. And so for me, I think um, managing my time on social media is being really cognizant of putting it away at nighttime, right? So... Um, I think about like, oh, you can get like kinks in your neck or you can get, you know, you're ruining your retina or my uncle from, my, from Mombasa will send me these messages oh on WhatsApp about these things. I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta put my phone away. <laughs> yeah. You know, those random forwards yeah, yeah. that your aunties and uncles oh, will man, send you.
0: Oh man, those chain WhatsApp. Yes, chain oh WhatsApps my. are the new chain emails, Those man. are, I
1: hate those. All the worst, I hate WhatsApp. So I, you know, I put my <laughs> phone on silent every night. Sometimes I use, you know, I'm an iPhone user, so yeah. I use like that sleep trend. Yep. But that's how I manage it, um, you know, and... Instagram has the amazing share facility, so I just share to Facebook. Twitter is a big thing for educators, and it's a big thing to get things out there, especially in terms of my world, and it's only 140 mm-hmm. characters. So I would say, like, I'm not obsessed with it. I, I used to have a bit of a regiment, but now I'm just kind of, like, free-flowing, like, when I feel something. So, like, for Ramadan, I made a tweet, and I did an Instagram story, and that's, like, what I wanted to do. Yep. Um, so that's kind of how I manage it. So I'm working on trying and testing things that work well. Yeah. Um, and seeing where it goes.
0: That's good. That's a good approach. And I think that everyone, you know, especially the listeners who are also entrepreneurs were thinking about striking a healthy balance. You know, there's no one right way to do this. There's things that definitely hurt you. There's things that definitely win, but everyone's got to find the, the, the system that works for mm-hmm. them. Congratulations. Thank that's that's uh, I'm, I'm very proud, very impressed, very much Thank in you. awe of all that's been happening Thank over you. here. That. Let's close this out of the rapid-fire round, okay. shall we? Yes. So these are just 10 these. questions for Shaliza Jamal. We're yeah. going to ask them. You're you, you, Based on what you did with the, the Halo Skull segment, you already know the drill all over right. here. Whatever comes I'm to ready. mind, just say it. All right. I'm going to modify the first one because you mentioned that there are three books on the go. Okay. Um, what are three books that have changed your life?
1: Ooh, changed my life. Uh, Difficult Conversations, um, Adaptive Leadership, and I'm reading the, which has really changed my life, the 21 Things You May Not Know About the Indian Act, and more. Mm.
0: Could you give us authors for that so we can put it in the show notes? Sure.
1: Um, okay. Oh my gosh. Okay, so 21 Things is by Bob Joseph from Vancouver. Okay. Um, Difficult Conversations is a Harvard book. I don't know the authors right now. Adaptive Leadership, uh, Ron Heifetz.
0: Way to go. Question number two. York, U of T, or Harvard, which institution has the best student experience?
1: I'm going to say Harvard.
0: No, no yes. love for U of T.
1: You know what? I haven't gone to U of T yet. I'm starting in September. So they'll have to earn me. They'll have to earn me. I'm bad. starting there. But okay. you know what? Yeah.
0: Sorry, I got them confused. I thought. Okay, yeah, That's you're right. Okay. You're right. You're right. I hope U of T comes through for you.
1: Yes, I, I hope so. I'm hoping because I'm scared. I have lots of love for Harvard, you know.
0: Number three, what's the last movie or TV show that made you cry?
1: Hmm. Oh gosh. Oh my God. I'm trying to be rapid, but I was just crying from it. Um, what did I watch? Oh, um, was it Little? I guess Little. I watched Little on IPTV, and it was just about, um, you know, um, imposter syndrome, right? And and thinking about fitting in. Tear came out. Yeah, tear came out.
0: What is your weirdest pre-speech ritual?
1: Mm.
0: You're about to go on stage. You have a you have a talk that day. What's one weird thing that you do?
1: Weird thing. Hmm, i would say okay, I'm not rapping right now. Um I just I think affirmation it's not really that way. I just say I can do this, I can do this or, you know, um I often like kiss my lips together, like smush my <laughs> lips together and well sometimes I look at myself in the mirror I'm like
0: do my power this. pose yeah, 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 that you got <laughs> this. Sometimes that's Yo, what it is. No power pose. I got a power pose yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um this is a dual question. So, what do you love the most about your partner and what do you think your partner loves the most about you?
1: Mm. I love that he is very kind and compassionate, and I know that he loves that I put others before me. Amazing.
0: Who are three of your role models?
1: Hmm. Um, so Tracy Jones, who's the Associate Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. She's one of my role models. A professor there as well, Karen Mapp, who is a professor of social entrepreneurship and leadership. Um, and another role model is my mom.
0: Shout out Yasmin to Yasmin Jamal. Yasmin Jamal. Shout out to mm-hmm. Yasmin Jamal. Um, are you still teaching as a secondary arts instructor? Yeah. So
1: I'm a, actually a learning coach. So I teach teachers.
0: You teach teachers. Mm-hmm. What do you love the most about teaching?
1: Hmm. The look of the, the look or smile in the students' eye. So students have this look when you enter the classroom. Even if I'm working with a teacher, and their eyes smile, and that is what I the
0: love. The smiles. I love it. Yeah,
1: the smiles.
0: If you could star in any Broadway show, mm. past or present. What would you choose?
1: So, oh, everyone. <laughs> well, I'm going to say, oh my gosh, everyone. I want to be in everyone. <laughs> because of my colonized education, I'm going to say Juliet.
0: <laughs> okay. I always dreamed of Juliet.
1: I was Juliet a few times in BC, but you know.
0: Rocket. Um, what song did you absolutely need to hear on your birthday? DJ, play
1: this, please. Mm, Boasty.
0: Boasty? Who's that Yeah, by?
1: Wiley featuring Idris Alba. Damn, I'm sorry. And Steph London and Sean. Do you say Paul.
0: Idris Elba made a song? Oh
1: my god, he's amazing. I'm gonna pay it for you after this.
0: Okay, done. You
1: know, it's it's a West African thing. Boasty. He, is he actually good? Boasty, yeah. Oh, damn, shout out to and Idris I'm man. Bo- boasty.
0: Done. Last question Toronto or Boston, which basketball team are you rooting for?
1: Hundred percent Raptors. I don't Come know, on. you said Harvard. Hundred uh. percent Raptors.
0: Okay, and Raptors in six or seven.
1: We were having this conversation last night, I think in seven.
0: In seven, yeah, it's gonna be a bit of a drag, but yeah, believe, you gotta ride or die we with this team. Ride or die, yeah. ride or die six, with this team, this is it. Six
1: over everything.
0: The amount of haters after game three, the amount of people who were like, it's done, nuke the team, Nick Nurse the worst. Yeah. I'm like, where? Ugh. Because we're good. So frustrating. You know now.
1: what? Haters gotta hate. Haters gotta hate. You know man. what? We keep going. Boom. We showed that yesterday.
0: We showed that today. Keep going. Shaliza Jamal, you rocked this. This was one of my favorite episodes oh, of all thank time. You. Thank you. This was thank an you absolute so pleasure. Uh, we got to have you back on here. Uh, and, and let's chat afterwards about I'd love to. all of the things. But before we get off, uh, where can people follow your adventures online?
1: Sure. So at Shaliza Jamal, that's S H E L I Z A J A M A L. That's the same for Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, everything in the sun.
0: Perfect. And what kind of upcoming projects or events yeah. are coming down the pipeline? So I'm Plug working on
1: Yeah, I'm working with um, uh, an arts organization in Ontario um, for a theatre residency that's coming up, working on a one-woman show, and I got some workshops on the go, so check me out, check my website out.
0: All Is your stuff. one-woman show going to be advertised on your website?
1: It will be, yeah. It's a work in progress. It's oh called boy. Confessions from a Bathroom Stall. Amazing. Yeah.
0: Oh, do, when, do you have a rough date?
1: I don't. I'm thinking October. Right now we're working with Artscape to think about space and programming. That's so yeah. exciting.
0: It's actually a really amazing venue that I saw in North York. Okay. There's a theater that you should check out afterwards. I will love to
1: check it out. I'm so downtown-centric. I'm biased to downtown, hey, so I should check out.
0: One, one train north. One train um, north. And, you know, one question that I, that I realized that we, we didn't ask you, the sure. rapid fire, and I want to hear from you because yeah. you've given us so many gems in this okay. podcast. You've just been dropping bar after bar. Thank and, you. you know, I wish I was taking notes over here. i got to figure out a system where, you know, obviously we're going to have the transcript yeah. of this and whatnot and we'll have show notes and yeah. we'll chop it up after the fact. But what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? You've given us so much, but what is the best advice that you have ever received?
1: I think the best advice I've ever received is to believe in myself Be authentic to who I am and everything will fall into place and to never waver from who I am, regardless of what anyone says.
0: Shaliza Jamal, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, Ideas into action, family. Thank you so much for tuning in. This was another week, another amazing episode. And we will see you all next week for episode 21. We're almost at the end of the season. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Uh, We're going to close this out strong. See ya.